It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to a new edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmoke with you. Today we preview the Giants and Chicago Bears on Sunday at Soldier Field in what's going to be a frigid Chicago. Today we're going to be joined by Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams, head coach Joe Judge, and we'll be joined by Jeff Joniak, the play-by-play man for the Chicago Bears. As a reminder, you can find the Giants Little Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms at Giants.com slash podcast and on the Giants mobile app. Make sure you go check it out. All right, as always, you start with our player interview. I had a chance to catch up with Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams. Leo, thanks for being with us again, man. Happy New Year. How are you? Of course. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, I'm doing good. Just trying to finish out the season, you know? Yeah, no, I, I got you. And let's talk about you trying to finish out this season. You know, you're wearing the old J.J. Watt bionic elbow <laughs> brace out there. <laughs> yeah. How has it been trying to play with that? Uh, you know, sometimes we have to wear knee braces during practice and stuff like that. Um, you know, Coach Judge doesn't want you know, the lineman to get injured, and, and I absolutely hate those, but uh, having the elbow brace on feels kind of cool at times, you know, it feels like a weapon, it feels like a little bit stronger, supportive, um, but, you know, I've obviously been dealing with injury, and that's the reason why I'm, I'm wearing it, and uh, at times, uh, you know, throughout the week, my the injuries hurting and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, I decided to finish out the, se- the season, so, you know, while I'm out there, I'm fighting through it. Is it just pain management for you, or are you limited in terms of the things you can do as well? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both um, because it's uh, it's pain management, but having that like sharp stinging pain in my elbow at certain times, uh, doing certain things on it. Oh yeah, that that's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't I don't feel my full strength if I'm like trying to do certain things on it. Uh, if I feel like it a sharp pain, like it will like collapse on me or something like that. You know. No, I totally understand. So why did you think it was important to try to finish out the year despite the fact you're obviously in in pain and not yourself trying to play out the year. Yeah, um, it's funny. I think it's a little bit of selfishness, actually. I think some people would think of that the opposite way. You know, like if you're a selfish player, you probably like wouldn't want to play through it. Um, but I'm thinking of it selfishly in a way of, you know, in my personal goals and, you know, uh, achievements. Uh, when I'm done playing this game, when I when I decide to walk away from this game, um, I, I think it'll be an awesome accolade to know that I've, you know, never missed a game. I've never been injured, and I, you know, take a lot of pride in being like a durable player, being out there with my teammates, and uh, finishing the season strong. You know. Now, my impression of you, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see you as a big like team speech rah rah type of guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. But is this your way of being a defensive leader by kind of leading by example? Yeah, you know, I mean, I definitely don't. I wouldn't like push through an injury just to, um, you know, try to be a leader by example or anything like that. But at the same time, making that decision, I, I see how much it has been a, a good example for my teammates. And, um, you know, you're right. Like, I'm not the type of person that's going to, you know, give huge speeches and stuff like that. I definitely talk to the team every once in a while, but I'm not that type of guy. And, um, but, you know, the coaches pointed out, the players pointed out, and, you know, it, I think it goes a long way, and they let me know. They let me know that uh, they see me fighting through something, and they know that I'm putting the team first and stuff like that. And I know you still have two games left, so I understand you probably might not have gone here in your head yet. <laughs> but, you know, heading into this year, I think based on how the team played last year, even though the record wasn't what we wanted it to be, yeah. that 
we thought also that there was tangible progress. And you added yeah. who you do in the offseason. Mm-hmm. You thought it was going to be a continued improvement, chance to make a playoff run, things of that nature. Yeah. How tough has it been going through this year with those expanded expectations? And yeah. understandably so, thinking this team was going to be better this year, and it just hasn't come together. I mean, I think you said that really well. Um, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't frustrated, if I wasn't, um, you know, just it's been a tough year. And um, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. I wouldn't be a competitor if I didn't think that. You know, we're obviously putting the work in every day. We want better results. And like you said, coming off of last year, uh, it felt like we were on the right track. You know, we made some moves and, and added some pieces during the offseason. And, um, you know, it's just been a tough year, you know, um, a lot of injuries, especially early on in the year, and uh, that have been also, you know, keeping up with us throughout the whole season, all the injuries. Um, And it's just overall, the season has not gone the way we wanted to. We all know that. But, uh, you know, I think the only thing that we can do is just keep pushing, you know. Um, You know, we're not going to get better by, you know, sulking and and defeat and, uh, you know, having a woe is me mentality. Um, you know, we know that we got to to make some changes and, and get better to, to change things around. You know, one thing the fans, I think, are doing, Leo, are, are trying to figure out why, right? That that That's the question they're asking. And mm-hmm. internally, from my perspective, and obviously with the COVID, I'm not around you guys as much as, as, as we used to be in the media, but it seems like the process is the same, right? The scheme is the same. A lot of the faces are even the same. And you guys are still working hard. You're trying hard. It doesn't look like the team is checked out. So mm-hmm. from your perspective on the inside, if all of that is in fact the same and it's good, and you, <laughs> and, and, and you already mentioned injuries, and that's certainly part of it, yeah. have you been able to put your finger on just why the team just hasn't really been as sharp and played as well, even given the, the guys that are on the field as you did last year? Honestly, I think just like the fans, um, that might be even one of the most frustrating things for me is uh, it's hard to pinpoint uh, or put a finger on why. Um, you know, it, it would be easier. It would even help me if if I knew that we had a lot of quitters on the team or if I can, like, point out, you know, a few things that, you know, besides, like, injuries and stuff like that, that, you know, could be the reason why. Sure. But knowing how much this team fights, knowing how much this team has each other's back, um, knowing how, you know, even late in the game when we're down by, um, you know, two-plus scores, um, you know, I see it in my guys' faces that they they keep fighting, you know. Um, So it makes it even more frustrating, more heartbreaking to see, um, and it's, it's hard to pinpoint what it is. For the defense specifically, I think you guys have played well, really well in some games this year and, and not as well as others. Mm-hmm. The one area from last year, and maybe you don't look at it this way, but I think you know the run defense probably hasn't been quite as consistent this year as opposed to last year. If you were able to put your finger – first of all, do you uh, – do you agree with that statement for one? And number two, is that just a matter of, you know, Dalvin not being here and then Blake getting hurt? Is it more than that? How would you evaluate what you've seen from the run defense so far this year? Um, yeah, I guess uh, statistically we have been giving up more run yards um, this year than last year. Um, but I think it's a lot more than just, you know, one or two guys uh, being in or out of the rotation. Um, I think it has a, a really big picture, a bigger picture to it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think we probably haven't been as good at the run. 
but I think overall, you know, I think our defense has still um, kept us in a lot of games and have has played really well. Uh, like you said, there's been some games, especially early on in the season, where we weren't playing uh, up to our standard. But um, I think we definitely turned it around and and played yeah. really well against you know high scoring offenses, and uh, we held really high scoring offenses to low scores, and uh, you know. Yeah, that's about it. No, I agree. I think one of your best defensive performances of the season was against Dallas. I thought you guys did a really nice job against them. Last week, you held the Eagles, who were probably the best rushing team in the league, to only about four yards per carry. So, absolutely, I thought the last week you guys were really good. I'm going to throw a stat at you here, and then I'm going to kind of build it into a different question. You guys are playing Robert Quinn this week, right? He has 17 sacks on the year. Everyone's obsessed with sacks. Pro Football Focus, and I'm going to throw their grades out, but they track pressures for players, right? He has 45 pressures this year. He has 17 sacks. Whew. Do you know how many pressures Leonard Williams has this year, according to Pro Football Focus? Just no. to take your ass 45. No. I have 45 The pressure? exact same number. Nice. And I just think it's interesting, and this is kind of the bigger question I'm going to ask you about, where people get obsessed with sacks. Yeah. And sacks are so dependent on things that are outside of your control, meaning you, the pass rusher. <laughs> so does it get frustrating for you? And it's just uh, how do you view it year to year where you feel like you're playing just as well? Maybe you have the same amount of pressures, <laughs> but one year you have 11 sacks, the next year you have seven, then you have four, and really your quality of play is the same, but yeah. that sack number just fluctuates yeah, wildly yeah, 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 from yeah. year to year. Uh that's, I mean, that's funny. Um, I think it's interesting that you even understand that. I think a lot of people don't understand that. And like you said, sacks are pretty. Sacks are cool. Like, people want to see sacks. It's like a big play. It's like a big celebration that happens afterwards. You know, people want to – it causes a lot of excitement, you know. But um, like you said, you know, I've, I think I pretty much have been the same player in this league for a long time. And uh, even – after last season, people were kind of like, you know, what was the biggest difference between last year and all the years before? Like, how were you so good last year and things like that? And I'm just like, you know, I think since I've been in this league, I've had a lot of QB hits and pressures and things like that. But like you said, sacks are like sometimes not in our control. Like even last week, I got to Jalen Hurts, yep. was tackling him right before his knee was an inch away from the ground. He kind of got rid of the ball, you know. That would have been another sack, but something out of my control is – he was able to get the ball out of his hands in that last split second that caused it to be a hit or a pressure instead of a sack, you know? Yeah, another th big thing that plays a part is is being up on a team, realistically. Um, you know, sometimes these, these teams that are, you know, up a score or two um, more than the other team, you know that the other team has to come out and pass the ball. So in that second half you know you can pin your ears back and get ready for pass rush because the other team is going to have to score points in two quarters to, to come back. Whereas, you know, if we're down in the second half, the other team has no reason to throw the ball. They don't want to give the ball away. There's more chances of them uh, throwing interceptions or getting sack fumbled or, you know, giving up the ball. And all they want to do is come out, get in 13, 12 personnel, and run the ball, run the clock out. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's frustrating if – in the second half, if we're down, you know, I'm pretty much know that, you know, all they're going to do is run the ball. 
Yeah, and how long the quarterback holds it is is out of your individual control. It has something to do with the coverage, but it has to do with scheme. It has to do with you know the it youth has of the to do quarterback with the too. As well. yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. if, if you're playing Tom Brady or you know Drew Brees when he was in the league and Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. you know these guys are getting rid of the ball in 2.3 seconds. Yeah. Then you got a guy like a Jalen Hurts or even a guy like you know like a Deshaun Watson, where these guys are mobile, they feel like they can escape the rush better, so they're gonna hold it a little bit longer. Yeah. And and then to your point, game flow. If quarterbacks feel like they have to make a play to get their team back in the game. Guess what? They're going to hold the ball a little bit longer, yeah, too, yeah. which gives you a chance. The, the, one other follow-up on this real quick. How does it help you as a defensive lineman when you know, and this goes back to your point, when you have the lead, it's easier to get sacks, right? Where you know you're not really all that concerned about the run anymore and you can just go get the quarterback. How does that change your approach as a defensive lineman and how you approach the game? I mean, that changes a lot. It changes. It takes out almost half of the game. You know, uh, usually in the first half or throughout a normal um, drive or whatever it is, I have to take my reads. I have to diagnose the play. I have to diagnose the offensive lineman, what type of stance are they in, what type of formation are they in, uh, what type of back is in the backfield, are they in eye, are they in gun, is the tight end on the line, is he off the line, you know, things like that to give me um, what we call bird rabbit keys, which, you know, bird is pass, rabbits run, and sometimes we try to communicate that to each other if we got to read, you know, like if I see a lineman that are, you know, making a call that I think is going to be a run, I'm going to say rabbit rabbit to the rest of my guys to let them know that right. it, might, it may be a run play, you know, whereas, you know, if, if all that's taken out and I know they have to pass the ball, I can literally get in a sprinter stance. I don't have to think about reading anything. I just have to know that I'm just rushing, and that takes a lot of it out. All right, final question. Uh, we should talk about the opponent for a second. What is it about this Bears offense? We don't know as of this recording who their starting quarterback is, so yeah. good luck preparing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Justin Fields and Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, yeah. two kind of different categories of quarterbacks yep. there. But just generally speaking, when you look at their offense, how they're built, how, you know, what are some of the challenges you guys are going to have to face if you want to slow down the Bears on Sunday? Uh, like you said, not knowing who their quarterback is, um, you know, we're definitely planning on – either one of them, regardless of who plays, and knowing that there's a difference. But I think the biggest part of their offense is uh, Montgomery and their running. Uh, I think he's a really good runner. He's a really good player. And, um, you know, what we're going to have to do defensively is make them uh, one-handed and uh, pretty much take away the run and force them to, to pass the ball. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Leo, good stuff, my friend. Uh, survive the cold weather on Sunday. It's supposed to be very unpleasant. <laughs> I hope it snows. Uh, it might. It, it, it might. It's supposed to be high at 20 degrees, too. So good luck on the, with the game on Sunday. We appreciate the time, man, and we'll talk to you down the road. Right, Happy man. New Year. You too. That's Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams. We appreciate him joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. As a reminder, secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only $100. Limited seats are available. Speak with a Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Next, our own Lance Meadow talks to Bears play-by-play man on the radio, Jeff Joniak. The Giants will travel to Chicago for their final road game of the season when they visit the Bears on Sunday. New York looking to snap a six-game skid away from MetLife Stadium. And to get more into the Bears, we're now joined by their radio play-by-play announcer, Jeff Joniak. Jeff, you got Lance Meadow here. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope all is well. How are things on your end? Uh, doing okay. Doing okay. Just fighting through the grind of the season as uh, you are doing uh, as well. And uh, it's been an interesting 2021. 
hoping for better things in 2022 across the board. How about it? Absolutely. I think both teams certainly would echo the same sentiments. And one thing that both of these teams have in common, Jeff, and this is where I want to start, is they have each started three quarterbacks under center this season. Nick Foles being the latest for the Bears, helping them beat the Seahawks last Sunday. What has this revolving door at quarterback been like for Chicago? And how much has that truly impacted the ceiling of this offense this season? You know, it's hard to say because once you make the decision to go with a rookie quarterback, you know, you're going to have that natural roller coaster ride. And that there's definitely been one with Justin Fields. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to go in that direction, it'd be great if it could just be Justin Fields and uh, iron out all those inconsistencies and connections and chemistry with your receivers and your targets. But because of injury and, and other situations, not able to, to do that. But, uh, you know, they, they offer each a different thing, much like your quarterbacks. And these guys have, have worked together all season long in some form or fashion, way back to training camp. And when you got veterans like Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, you know, they could pick up uh, the game plan without even uh, blinking an eye. And that, and that happened last week, and Nick was very good, certainly clutched down the stretch, and the Bears get a road win in Seattle. At the time that we're recording this, right now the status of the starting quarterback this week somewhat up in the air. Fields still dealing with the ankle injury. Foles, we talked about, had the big rally against Seattle. If you had to pinpoint who you think may be able to get the edge this week, where do you think it stands right now? Well, without knowing uh, how they look in practice, you know, I really can't answer that. If it's Fields' health, is if it's good, if he's good enough to go, uh, I have to lean on what Matt Nagy said all along. If if Justin's healthy, he's the number one. So that's the direction I would lean if he's if he's ready to go. The ankle injury certainly was more difficult maybe than we all thought. Uh, he started out last week being somewhat limited and then not practicing at all. So and we asked we asked Matt if if this was a playoff scenario last week or anything like that, a game of importance in that regard, would he be able to play? And the answer was still no. So. I think it's legit, and I think just going to have to wait and see. Jeff, from an important standpoint, though, with respect to his development, you brought up the fact that, yes, mathematically this game may not be meaningful, but how important would it be, assuming he's healthy, to have him play these last few games so that they can carry that over in terms of reps and experience into this offseason and next season? Every rep matters, and you know I've gone both ways on that over the years. Uh, in my 25 years with the Bears, about – you know, what, what the bounce is into the, the following season. I think a lot changes, uh, certainly personnel and, and philosophies and adjustments to your scheme change repetitively. So, uh, But from personal development, certainly we're looking at any young quarterback to get as many reps as possible will be beneficial, unless, unless you can't protect him, unless he can't protect himself, unless he's just under siege, then I don't see where you're really gaining anything because you're not really able to function uh, in any way, uh, so and that 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 has not happened uh, a ton, but it has happened this season. You look at the Cleveland game, and that that really was a wash. He was unable to to really be protected. So, and it got better over the course of the season. He's had flash plays, and the more connections on those flash plays, the more confident the trust he has in his weaponry and specific players. I think there's a group of young players that would benefit with Justin being in there because, you know, no matter what. No matter what happens here in Chicago, there's a group of guys that uh, are really starting to bond together, and they are winners. They want to win. They talk about being great. 
and they it's not just lip service. And I'm talking about guys like Darnell Mooney, about Justin, uh, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert on the defensive side, Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet at tight end. They all have a similar mindset, which I think is kind of cool right now. And they all know that, you know, Justin's going to be the man moving forward and how those leadership voids are filled with, with these young thinkers. And they've all spoken their minds throughout the course of the season about what they envision. And they've kind of made a pact here and it's kind of bounced through the team about finishing these last couple of weeks strong. And I think from that point of view, I think that will carry into 2022. Jeff, you brought up a number of names on the offensive side of the ball. I want to expand upon that because I think in previous years when we would look at the Bears' offense, we would say David Montgomery's doing the heavy lifting on the ground. Allen Robinson is doing all of the flashes in the receiving game. And unfortunately, Robinson's dealt with COVID. He's dealt with some injuries. So he hasn't been available. And that really has allowed Darnell Mooney to step up, as you mentioned, Cole Komet. Mooney has nearly 1,000 yards on the season. I would even throw out, Jeff, Jakeem Grant. Since he was acquired from the Dolphins, it seems they've been utilizing him a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball. What has it been like seeing some of these younger players develop and carve out bigger roles compared to what this offense has been used to with Allen Robinson being the guy? Well, if you want to help your quarterback, you better develop the assets around him, and that has to be not just the offensive line, but the, the weaponry and the ability to make plays with the ball in their hands. And you mentioned a, a couple of great, great things. Jakeem Grant, unfortunately, um, dealing with a concussion. So he just was getting involved in the offense and really gave him a spark. He's got a great attitude. Players love him. Uh, going to the Pro Bowl as a returner. Uh, but Mooney has become the playmaker, like you hit upon. You know, last two years, Allen Robinson combined at 300 targets. So the ball was almost exclusively going to him. This year, it's Mooney with over 100 targets. He's also their top man in big plays, 20 yards or more with 14, and there's no one near him in double digits. Uh, the next closest is Cole Komet. Uh, he's also been good on third down, tied for the team lead in third down catches, and he's number one in yards after contact at receiver, number one on yards after the catch. So there's a lot of good things Darnell Mooney's doing. Uh, all you got to look about, I did a feature about this during the season. The first thing that man bought with his money, was not a car or a house or any other personal belongings. He bought a jugs gun. He's got that <laughs> jugs gun in his apartment, and every night he has a, a guy he met in his apartment complex that has now become also his personal chef and best friend wow. fire 100 footballs in that jugs gun in the hallway of the apartment complex. So that's a guy who wants to be great, and, and I think guys like that. Khalil Herbert, when Montgomery was shelved, with his injury, hit that four weeks, he was a top ground gainer in the National Football League. I mean, he was playing well. Uh, and so there's a, there is a lot to look at here. You know, here in town, obviously, the fans are upset. They want a winner. They, they're tired of, of not being a perennial playoff team, and I get it. It's 100% fair, but there's, if, you, if you open the curtain a little bit, there's a lot of good things going on, and there's a lot of good hope for the future. We're talking with Jeff Joniak, radio play-by-play -play announcer for the Chicago Bears. Jeff, one of the other things you touched on was the importance of protection with respect to a young quarterback, a veteran quarterback. It really makes no difference. You well know from your time covering the NFL, you got to win in the trenches. And similar to how we've been talking about the Giants over the last few years and their offensive line, I think a similar conversation has taken place, of course, in Chicago. There's been some injuries at the tackle position with Jason Peters banged up. I know Tevin Jenkins had a shoulder injury. 
How much has that created issues overall on the offensive side of the ball? The fact that they haven't necessarily been able to lean on the same edge guys at tackle all throughout this season. I think it's always a factor, as you've eloquently pointed out. You know, you got, you know, in the days, though, of having an offensive line take every snap, all five guys, it seems to be really uh, gone south. I mean, sure. I don't know of many teams that are able to do that. It's been very, very difficult to do, whether because of performance, certainly COVID's a factor, and uh, also injury. But, you know, if all goes well, they've got themselves at a minimum two guys that they project at the tackle position. Where these guys wind up playing, Seven Jenkins, left side or right side, he was a college right tackle, very little left tackle experience, thrown in there in Green Bay. He had an oh-wow moment when he has to go in at Lambeau Field and fill in for, for a future Hall of Famer. And, you know, he's, he's taken his lumps a little bit, uh, but bounced back the following week, had a really good game against the Vikings in pass protection, uh, and then unfortunately went out with the, with the shoulder. He is back at practice this week. Whether or not he plays is unknown. And Larry Borum, I, I was impressed from the moment I saw him. He's got very athletic feet. And uh, I, I look at him as a potential candidate for left tackle in the future as well. But at a minimum, if all goes well and these guys develop, you got two young tackles to work with. And that's a big deal. Uh, and certainly a guy that you got in a fifth round as opposed to a higher-end pick, uh, that's, that's salary cap friendly right now moving forward. So those two guys I feel good about. I'd like to see more, obviously. You need to see more. But moving forward, that goes into my conversation about the other young players. You are 100% right. I'm an old-school football guy. I believe you win in the trenches. you got to be stacked up front on the offensive side of the ball. you got to have some nastiness and toughness and your leadership there. And on the defensive side of the ball, you got to have depth and rotation to keep firing, uh, firing your guns at the quarterback. So I, I think that's the way you build a football team, and I think uh, that's a step in the right direction. They also, I, 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 gotta, I can't minimize the impact of the interior either because James Daniels is still a very young man, even though he's entering yeah. his fourth season. And, you know, he's young and um, coming out of contract, so that's somebody to keep an eye on. He's a big, burly guy who's still got a lot of potential moving forward. Yeah, second-round pick in 2018 right now in his fourth season, so that point is well taken. You brought up the defense. Let's switch there. I feel as if the defense may be a bit underrated because of some of the offensive struggles this season. And, Jeff, I want to highlight Robert Quinn because last season he had just two sacks. This was after his big-time performance with the Dallas Cowboys. In free agency, he joins the Bears, and then this year, my goodness, 17 sacks. He's closing in on Richard Densmark set in 1984. What has impressed you the most about Robert Quinn and really the tear that he's currently on over these last seven games? One word comes to mind, and it's relentless. Uh, he has been relentless in pursuit of the quarterback. Uh, we all know what he is. We, we know he's, uh, he's got a Gumby-type style to him. He's bendable off the edge outstanding at uh, racing the edge, but it's pursuit also. And when he gets on the edge of an offensive lineman, uh, it's a couple of steps and he is somehow at the quarterback. And I know one of the, I think it was Greg Olson on the national broadcast against the first Packer game. He made a play and he called him Spider-Man. And I I think that's fair because (laughs) he's playing like that. His, His body is is turning in ways that I just, you know, you see, but it is rare. And I also, yeah, I do features on these guys for our TV show every week, and I did one a couple of weeks ago, and 
you know, he credits a lot of it, believe it or not, to his ankle flexion. And he, he has he's pigeon-toed, and he has just this rare ability from the ground up to move his body and lean in ways that really make it frustrating for a tackle to get, you know, proper hands on him. And uh, he finds a way, man. He, he'll loop around, and he'll keep running that arc until he gets to the quarterback. And sometimes just a, a hair late, but enough to cause pressure to move it up in the pocket to create a sack for somebody else. He's been working very well in games with Bilal Nichols. And I can only imagine what it had been like if Khalil Mack was healthy all year because Mack was off to his best start in terms of sacks in his career. And the two of them together playing at that kind of peak would be very, very disruptive. And uh, unfortunately, Mack, and the team Hicks and Quinn had not played a lot of snaps together, and that's three guys that could really wreak havoc at the pocket. But, you know, I, I, I'm all about it. Getting to know him, he's just a simple guy from North Carolina uh, who is lucky to be alive. As, as you may or may not know, he, he plays with a tumor at the top of his spine that almost cost him his life back as a 17-year-old, and they told him he wasn't even going to live for a week, and somehow he managed and has played an entire life of football both through high school, college, and the NFL with that tumor that he gets checked a couple times a year. And uh, so he routinely says he's just happy to get out of bed every morning. Well, he certainly plays with a lot of fire, and he has brought that to the table for Chicago over these last two seasons, specifically this year, having a career year. And you mentioned that they've had some of their key guys up front in and out of the lineup, and I think – Jeff, you could really say the same thing for the secondary. I believe it was, what, the Vikings game where all five starters of the secondary were out due to COVID, so there hasn't been a great deal of continuity. But with that being said, Jalen Johnson seems to be really coming to his own in his second year, and Eddie Jackson, of course, is not that far removed from Pro Bowl appearances. How has this secondary had to navigate some of those injuries and COVID issues that have really eaten into the continuity a little bit? Well, we're learning that a lot of different guys can play if given the opportunity. Uh, First-year defensive coordinator Sean Desai, that's where his expertise lies in the secondary. He's coached it his entire career here with the Bears, nine years in some form or fashion, and he has been able to mix and match and find strengths in specific matchups. Yes, that Vikings game, you know, they, they did not let Justin Jefferson go off at all. He had a couple of catches. Last week, D.K. Metcalf, uh, had a 41-yarder on Thomas Graham, one-on-one with no help over the top, beat him off the line of scrimmage as he as he often does with 4-3-3 speed and and great size and burned him for the touchdown. But that was it. Though Tyler Lockett and Metcalf combined for 71 yards and I believe three catches. So it was a very quiet day for them. Maybe it was five catches. Sorry, pardon me, but quiet day for them. And again. There was no continuity here because what was available one week was not the next. Xavier Crawford was out for this game. Uh, Keith Tabor then left this week's game. He's on IR. They, they've played guys in corner. Eddie Jackson playing slot. Now he wants to play slot. Loves it. Yeah. So you're learning a lot about the flexibility, which in this league you have to. You know, The more you can do is a, is a cliche that we all hear players talk about and coaches talk about, but uh, availability is most important and to get on the field and be able to show people I mean Artie Burns Artie Burns was left you know you know for the scrap heap a little bit by Pittsburgh and really could not get on the field uh, for the Bears and then he gets on the field and he's been making plays made two very good plays last week against Seattle uh, Jalen Johnson I'm expecting him to return this week uh, from COVID uh, 
that's that's a guy right there that takes this job quite seriously. He's got a great disposition. He will also in that Mooney category of working hard and wanting to be great. So there's a, there's a lot to pick from, a lot to, to find out about guys there in the final couple of weeks. But I think Sean Desai has proven he's, he's got a knack for figuring out the secondary a little bit. Well, and Jeff, speaking of these rookies or younger players, I should say, emerging, before I let you go, I think we can't overlook the fact that probably the biggest storyline with respect to this game, since there's no playoff implications, is the draft pick, given the fact that the Giants and the Bears swapped the spots so that Chicago could move up to get Justin Fields. We've obviously been talking about it all season long from the Giants' perspective. I'm curious, though, Jeff, from your interaction with members of the organization, what you hear from the fans, how is Chicago? go viewing this game knowing that the result could very well impact their spot in which the Giants will ultimately pick you know I haven't really had any uh, conversation about it because when you get a chance to get uh, uh, what you believe is a franchise quarterback you, you go and get them and so I was shocked on draft night I, I, I knew something was brewing and but I had no idea that they'd be in in uh, within shot of getting a quarterback like Justin Fields with the 11th pick. So I was okay with it. You got to make the move. Uh, and they did. So it is something that Ryan Pace has done routinely in his, his general manager tenure, now seven years deep. And he's a no regrets guy. So if he feels his gut instinct is to make a move, he's going to make a move. And that's how he lives his life. And that's how he general manages. So uh, it, it is what it is. You know, the Giants are going to get something good out of it and the Bears hope they get something great out of it for the next decade. 100%. That has to be the philosophy. Anytime you get a franchise quarterback, you don't ask any questions. You move up, you make the move, and then you hope, obviously, that the player will flourish in years to come. He is Jeff Joniak, Bears radio play-by-play announcer. Jeff, can't thank you enough. Greatly appreciate the time and the insight. A happy and a healthy New Year to you and yours, and look forward to Sunday's game. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Lance. Uh, Happy New Year to you and your family, and you do a heck of a job. That's Bears play-by-play man Jeff Joniak. Does a lot of work with the Bears also on television during the course of the week. Finally, as always, we wrap up with Bob Papa's conversation with Giants head coach Joe Judge. As always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, Joe Judge. Coach, uh, Happy New Year to you and your family. you got the Bears in Chicago, uh, a team that you're familiar with in the fact that you've played them the last couple of years, including last year in Chicago. Um, just talk a little bit about this Bears team and what they do defensively because, you know, you look at some of the numbers, they don't allow a lot of yards passing, they get after the quarterback, uh, and they have a real presence in their front seven. Right, well, so the structure of the defense is similar to what we saw from Denver and the Chargers. Really, it's from that Fangio tree of defense, and it's a successful system, you know, that's really kind of been in there for some time, even since Vic left. And, uh, you know, really the way they're built, they're built up front with a very good front. Talented linebackers playing behind really good, stout interior players that build the wall and, you know, good edge players that set the edge. But also Quinn, you know, this guy's one of the top pass rushers in the league statistically and just historically. You know, so they really get after you up front and then they force you to make some bad decisions and, you know, give themselves opportunity on the back end for some turnovers. Coach, um, obviously, you know, every team is dealing with COVID issues. You get players back, players go on the list. Um, can you just talk about sort of the challenges of what it's like week in and week out to try to figure out how you're going to practice, figure out who you might or might not have up for game day? Look, we always talk about being flexible with our versatility in the game plan. And to me, it's always just about sudden change and, and being able to 
adjust and adapt. And uh, that's something we pride ourselves on here. Something we work to build as a program and get the players used to. So, you know, look, realistically, you start at the beginning of the week with, uh, you know, plan A and you go on through it and you've got, you know, players that you believe are available for the game. And realistically, what happens is you come into work and as the players are coming in for the day, a lot of them will test for not feeling well. And you may get a text somewhere around, you know, 7, 7.30 in the morning, uh, let you know that, hey, so-and-so just popped the positive and be removed. So, as the day goes, not only considering just the structure of the remainder of your day, you know, in terms of how you can run meetings and practice and logistically how you're going to handle some things and spacing out the players, but then also you've got to think about the adjustments in your game plan. You know, if it's an offensive lineman, it may change some of your run game or pass protection scheme. If it's a defensive back, you know, it kind of ties different guys into different roles. And, and we've had a lot of all positions. So to me, it's just all about seeing what's going to happen. This was, you know, definitely a week where, you know, you're factoring a lot of injuries, you know, some COVID things that popped up. We got some guys back. We lost some guys at the same time. And then along the way, you know, you're also factoring in, okay, what's the weather going to be? You know, earlier in the week, it was a warmer projection. It was a little bit more of a calmer day. And then by the time we got to the end of the week, it was high winds, cold, chance of snow. So you start put tying in through personnel, through situational football. How are you going to play this game and what gives your team the best chance? Coach, um, I know this is like, you know, the, some of the nitty-gritty stuff, but just going down to the level of footwear, um, you know, for guys to go out on the field, it's a natural grass surface mm -hmm. to make sure they get out there and make sure that they have the right shoes on. Because in a game with, with these games all so close, it's, you know, it's one slip, it's one misstep, and suddenly there could be a play that changes the whole landscape of the game. What are some of those kind of things that you talk about with the players? Well, when it comes to equipment, you know, it's kind of a lot of little things you look at. First, let's start with the footwear, and this is for everybody. You know, really you start talking about playing a natural grass field, especially where Chicago's field is this time of year, you know, hard, frozen field, but then also slick at the same time. And you're really talking about our studs. That's really, you know, you know those screw-in cleats that dig into the grass as opposed to the molds that, you know, are better on shorter surfaces. But as you get into these cold games, these weather games, you really want the studs that can sink and really grip the ground. But then you talk about the fundamentals of how you got to cut. And you talk about playing with good knee bend, chest over knee or toes, so you have good body balance, weight distribution, and cutting off the correct foot. And what we mean by that is if I'm a receiver running a route and I'm breaking to my left, I got I got to cut off my right foot. And it sounds pretty commonplace, but as you get a lot of guys rushing on through it, if they cut off the incorrect foot, I mean, if I'm breaking left and I cut on the left foot, I'm on the edge of that cleat where I'm not getting all the cleats in the ground, and a lot of guys slip and fall. And what you'll look and see is as guys slip and fall, 90% of the time in weather games, it's cutting off the incorrect foot and playing with poor knee bend, playing high in your pad level. And then you talk about the equipment and other parts of their body. You know, it gets cold, a lot of guys will wear sleeves. And, and you know, now with some of the synthetic materials, it's that tight, slick, you know, kind of, you know, Under Armour-ish type of fabric. Uh, that can actually be very slick and bad for ball security. So we always have our guys, if you're wearing sleeves, they have to be old-school cotton sleeves, and it's better for grip, better for ball security in terms of making sure things slide off your arm. There's little things like that that you got to go ahead and just be attentive to. And then also all the skilled players, really everyone now wears gloves playing football. And if you have the wrong kind of gloves on in this weather, they actually work against you. So you got to make sure guys have on. And really the best thing for it in this type of weather, any kind of moisture especially, is you really want the old-school leather gloves and they kind of you know work with the moisture if that makes sense that they help it still be sticky if it's that synthetic kind of almost plasticky feel they get real slippery and slick and the ball just slides right on through and then the, the fundamentals of catching the ball let's talk about you know the more moisture or coldness okay which makes the ball a little bit you know slippier and hard you got to make sure you have those hands really together and catching the ball at the strongest point in your hands which is your thumb or your index finger you want to make sure that you're looking through that diamond in your hand and you want your fingers and thumbs touching before the catch. So anything really above chest level has got to be 
you know, thumbs and fingers together. And then obviously if it's a lower catch, you've got to go with the pinkies together. And you want to make sure that you get the front end of the ball whenever you catch it because there's going to be some natural separation that bubbles your hands apart. Coach, um, I know this is something that we talked about on our TV show, the Joe Judge Report, mm-hmm. earlier this week where, you know, wind was definitely a factor as far as special teams was concerned last week in Philadelphia. Well, you're going to have cold conditions in Chicago. You know that there can be wind. It's a natural grass surface. Um, can you just talk about sort of some of the things that have to be decided pregame and then adjust during game when it comes to special teams and the implementing of it? You know, with, with some of the wind we may see today and the way it kicks up, it actually affects all three phases, but it always affects the kicking game first. And the first thing it affects is really your field goal range. And we're talking about that is what yard line do you have to get to to say your field goal kicker is in position to make a kick? And, you know, typically speaking on a generic field, you know, just say the 35-yard line is average for most kickers. When you hit the 35-yard line, most teams have a chance at that point. Now, if the wind's at your back, that may allow you to go back to the 38, 40-yard line. If the wind's in your face, you may have to get to the 30-yard line and adjust it a little bit there. But based on the side wind and how it impacts in the stadium, sometimes that may say you have to get to the 25-yard line or maybe even the 20 in some situations. And that affects how you go for it on fourth down or how some other teams – you know, address, you know, going from fourth down. It makes you play more four down situations instead of three down, stop them, hold them to a field goal. It could be four downs, you have to stop them for 10 yards. There's a lot of this situation. It also ties into some of the punting game. And you're going to see a lot more things in terms of when the wind's in your face, you know, expecting more rushes because the ball's not going to travel as far to set up the return. If it hits the ground, it's not going to bounce as far because the wind's going to hold it up. If the wind's at your back, expecting more of that double vice, which is the two on one matchup on the outside on the gunners and try to get your guys to run down the field first, get them held up, and try to create some separation between the coverage and the returner, using that wind at your back to really create that separation down the field. So you've got to understand how the different situations tie into what the other team's going to do strategically and how you can use it to your advantage. If you're listening to the game today and watching the game, some of the things to key in on as the Giants square off against the Chicago Bears. Coach, we thank you for a couple minutes. Best of luck. Hey, man, appreciate it. Happy New Year. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. We thank him and all of our guests for joining us on this game preview edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast as the Giants get ready to take on the Chicago Bears in Chicago at Soldier Field. I'm John Schmelk for all of our guests and for Bob and Lance. Have a happy new year, everybody. We'll see you next week on the Giants Huddle. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll see you next time.